0: Hello and welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show. Another bumper edition coming up. Big news out of the US this week with the Supreme Court to hear an abortion case which could spell the death knell of Roe versus Wade. And here in Australia, euthanasia advocates have finally revealed their hand, doctor assisted suicide for the mentally ill and the disabled, I kid you not. This week's interview is with Neil Foster from the University of Newcastle and together we take a look at Mark Latham's Religious Freedom Bill. Also, Sweden pulls back from treating gender dysphoric children with puberty blockers, citing fertility and cancer worries. Why are our politicians failing to act? All that and more. Strap yourself in. Is this the beginning of the end for abortion? The US Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case which could restore human rights to the unborn babies and stop the harm of their mothers. A Mississippi state law banning most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy had been blocked by the federal court. However, the Supreme Court's move could uphold the Mississippi law and spell the death knell for Roe v. Wade, that 1973 decision, which effectively legalized abortion on demand, not through democracy, but by judicial fiat. Since then, more than 50 million American children have been killed in the womb, a disproportionate number of them black. Techniques used in abortion mills involve the dismembering of living babies uh, before their birth or suctioning out an embryo in pieces, destroying her. In more recent years, women have been prescribed the poison, RU486, to kill their unborn children. While Australian politicians in New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania and Victoria have rushed in recent years to legalise abortion all the way to the moment of birth. American legislators, with strong public support, have moved in the opposite direction. 45 states have enacted laws to advance human rights for unborn babies, with many enacting heartbeat laws to protect them from the moment a heartbeat is detected. The US Supreme Court will begin hearing the Mississippi case known as Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Remember that. Uh, It'll hear it in October with a decision to be expected in the US spring or summer of 2022. The US abortion industry is outraged that the case is even being heard. Nancy Northup, the president of the Center for Reproductive Rights, which represents the abortion mill challenging the Mississippi laws, is terrified of losing. She said this, the consequences of a Roe reversal would be devastating. Over 20 states would prohibit uh, outright uh, abortions. 11 states, including Mississippi, have currently uh, trigger bans on the books which would instantaneously ban abortion if Roe is overturned, she said. The case will be closely watched here in Australia too. Public opinion is not with the radical late-term laws recently passed by our state politicians, and the more people are informed about life in the womb and the harm of abortion to women, the more they will demand change. That's why Big Abortion Inc. wants this conversation cancelled. But thanks to former US President Donald Trump appointing what looks to be a pro-life majority of judges to the Supreme Court bench, The prospects for human rights for unborn children and the sensation of harm to their mothers looks bright. (laughs) Religious freedom has been on the political agenda for many years, but nothing has been settled in terms of protecting a fundamental human right, which is coming under more and more pressure. COVID has put the Morrison government's plans for a religious discrimination bill on hold. And in the meantime, New South Wales Uh, One Nation leader, Mark Latham, has put forward a bill. A parliamentary committee has recommended that the Berejiklian government adopt Latham's bill as a government bill. But will that be enough to protect people who are feeling more and more vulnerable at work and in the wider society because of religious beliefs that are now out of step with some social policy laws? Earlier, I spoke with Neil Foster, the Associate Professor in Law at the University of Newcastle. Well, Neil Foster, Associate Professor of Law at Newcastle University, thanks very much for joining the Lyle Shelton Show. It's a real pleasure,
1: Lyle. Glad to be with you.
0: I do appreciate your time, Neil. Um, We're talking about this uh, bill that's before the New South Wales Parliament, the Anti-Discrimination Amendment, Religious Freedoms and Equality Bill 2020, put up by the One Nation MP, Mark Latham, and recently the subject of a parliamentary inquiry where there's a recommendation that the government of the Berejiklian coalition government, New South Wales, adopt this uh, as a bill of its own. Um, give us your thoughts on the bill, Neil, and why we need a religious uh, discrimination bill.
1: Well, uh, the reason we need one is, um, I guess, the, uh, the fact that we don't have one. <laughs> and uh, to put that in context, um, we have legislation in other states and territories which makes it unlawful to discriminate against someone in a range of activities, a range of areas of life on the basis of their religious belief um, or their religious activities. And we don't have such law in New South Wales, and we don't have a general law of that sort in the Commonwealth sphere either. So um, I know that we can talk about this uh, if you want to a bit later, but there are proposals for federal law of this sort, uh, but they are, apparently stalled at the moment, or at the, at the they have been at any rate for the last uh, little while. Uh, yes. And so this initiative in New South Wales is one that I think will plug a bit of a gap uh, that we have in the New South mm-hmm. Wales law.
0: Now, this has been driven um, by a range of factors, but I guess it's no secret that one of the key drivers of the need for religious discrimination law has been changes to uh, things like the, the Marriage Act, the assertion of um, rights by various identity groups. And uh, you referenced the stalled federal, uh, anti, uh, or federal religious discrimination uh, laws that have been proposed. Um, that, that was put forward in the wake of the same-sex marriage plebiscite. Presumably, that's been um, part of the motivation for this law in New South Wales to try and just ensure that religious freedom is not impinged on in this new uh, era where identity uh, mm. rights have been asserted and, and and written further into law through things like the changes to the Marriage Act.
1: Yes, that's right. And so we're in a situation now where um, historically uh, major religions have had views and do still have views on moral issues, which uh, no longer line up with some of the, um, I guess, the orthodoxy on on moral sexual moral issues in particular uh, in our broader community and as a result um, there comes a a, now uh, a challenge for those who want to christian groups who want to operate in accordance with their um, traditional moral principles uh, are faced with claims that they are um, discriminating against people, particularly from the LGBT background, um, and so uh, and questions about discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and those sorts of issues. So the, these issues are quite complex, and um, the matter is is, uh, is often resolved. Well, it's it's not very clear how some of these things will be resolved, but there's a very strong principle that we uh, under Australian. International commitments. We want to protect religious freedom as a right that people have to live out their their religious beliefs. Uh, of course, subject to uh, balancing that that out with uh, the major common law rights of people not to you know, you know suffer violence and oppression and all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. But um, the view that uh, I think is is uh, needs protecting is the fact that well people should be able to articulate their beliefs and organizations should be able to act on their beliefs in these areas uh, without uh, suffering claims that they should be penalized. And so uh, we've had examples of um, people who've expressed their religious beliefs and who've uh, faced uh, employment uh, discipline or the possibility Mm -hmm. of being sacked. We had a, a, you'll remember the case of a a girl during the uh, marriage, uh, same-sex marriage debates who was Uh, lost some work uh, as a contractor in the ACT because she uh, expressed a view that, you know, we didn't need to change the law on marriage and so she Mm -hmm. lost her job. So these are examples of situations where there is a real need uh, for some protection for people um, who want to live out and express traditional religious moral Mm -hmm. beliefs.
0: So you've gone through this bill in some detail, Neil, and you've blogged about it. Uh, You've made a submission to the parliamentary inquiry. Are you confident that um, what's proposed in this bill will protect people like uh, that young woman you referenced who lost her job during the marriage campaign? Will it protect people like uh, Archbishop Julian Porteous, uh, to use a a Tasmanian example, but if, if something like this happened here in New South Wales where a priest or a bishop or a pastor was disseminating teaching, Christian teaching, or, or for that matter, an imam disseminating Muslim teaching on marriage, i.e. that it's between one man and a, one woman, that they wouldn't then attract uh, legal action against them. Uh, would, would this bill protect those sort of circumstances as well?
1: So uh, it generally seems to be a pretty good um, piece of legislation. Uh, there are some uh, fine some fine tuning that I think could be done, Um and in particular, the way that it's been supported by the Parliamentary Committee um, isn't perfect. There's a particular issue around how you define a religious belief or activity and whether you exclude things that are um, unlawful. Uh, now, on, on, in a general, from a general position, of course, we don't want to provide protection for people who want to use religion to execute violence on others or anything like that or to, you know... Practices such as female genital mutilation, which uh, which are sometimes justified on religious grounds, these are clearly beyond the bounds of what should be protected. Um, but uh, there are uh, there's laws and there's laws, and so uh, if we just have a general exclusion of religious belief from un, 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 as, as not you know contrary to the law, we might subject that to local council bylaws or something like that. So there needs to be a more oh, yep. thoughtful. Definition of what are the exclusions? Um, so, so, so,
0: lawful. Just to pick you up on that point. Mm-hmm. So, the, the vulnerability there, particularly for for Christian people, and I don't think there'd be too much in the Christian faith that would likely to fall foul of, of the law. Christianity being the the fountain of Western civilization or a big contributor to it and to Australia's uh, greatness as a nation. But you're saying that a a local council might, um, in, in perhaps a, a vexatious or or, or even unintended consequences might cause some aspects of Christian expression to be unlawful and that that could then um, be caught up um, in mm. this legislation. That, that's the sort of thing you're referring to, is it? The-
1: yes, that people who had those beliefs would be excluded from being regarded as uh, legitimately religious and so they wouldn't be protected uh, against discrimination. That's a possibility. What, what,
0: what's a practical example of that at a local government level?
1: Well, I suppose one of the things you have to take account of is what might happen, but uh, you could get uh, a, a local government, um, uh, let, let me just take one example, perhaps a local government uh, might say everyone who hires local government property has to celebrate we're at Purple Day or something like that. There are, right. You know, yeah. some sort of bylaw that says we are going to provide explicit support for homosexuality or uh, something that many Christians would find morally objectionable. And um, so that, I mean, that's a little bit far-fetched, but it's Mm -hmm. not beyond the realms of possibility that something like that might happen. Um, So, you know, it's not a huge issue, but it's one that we want to keep an eye on. And I think so particularly if uh, this type of exclusion of generally unlawful material was adopted um, at a federal level, Uh, we've got a problem and I know we're not talking about the federal level at the moment, but um, what we'd be doing is subjecting people's religious beliefs across the country to the vagaries of local state Mm. governments or state or local councils. And so I think we need to be careful about that. So uh, in terms of uh, other aspects of the bill, the bill doesn't directly address vilification issues, which is what was technically the issue in the Archbishop Porteous case. So Archbishop Porteous was... Accused of vilification under Tasmania's laws, which in my view are far too draconian in terms of penalising material that simply causes offence to someone. Uh, and that's way too low a bar in my view. Um, this bill doesn't introduce um, anti vilification provisions, and the Parliamentary Committee has said, let's leave that to one side. So I think that's a debate that we need to keep an eye out for in New South Wales. We don't have. Um, we don't have a low bar for vilification in New South Wales, which is a good thing. And we so yeah, just, be just to be we don't.
0: Mm. so just to be clear on that, uh, Neil, uh, an Archbishop Porteous case where a priest and Im- an imam or someone was teaching about uh, their religious view on marriage—that it's between a man and a woman—and that mm-hmm. would exclude same-sex marriage—they wouldn't necessarily be protected under this proposed new law. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, that there's still more work to be done in that space. So-
1: no, no, no. Sorry. What I'm saying is they're not. It's a, not unlawful at the moment in New South okay. Wales. Okay. Okay. Just right not right unlawful so, to do that. Okay. There's there's, there's protections in the. There is homosexual vilification provisions. There are homosexual vilification provisions in the New South Wales Anti Discrimination Act, but there's an exemption for genuine religious teaching, right. um, which and, doesn't apply and in and
0: Tasmania.
1: The, no, it doesn't apply in Tasmania. And the bar doesn't. in New South Wales is inciting hatred and, and other things like that, which is much higher than the merely inciting offence in Tasmania. So what I'm saying is when I say the bill doesn't deal with it, I'd say I don't, it doesn't deal with it because it's not an issue at the moment, not such an issue. Uh, yeah, well, and, I'm, uh, I will just I don't, pick you up on that
0: though, Neil, and, and you're, you're the lawyer and I'm not, but um, you know, these things are very subjective and I I get that here in New South Wales, the bar isn't as low as it is in Tasmania with, with offence, but um, I mean, I've seen activists um, make all sorts of claims about inciting hatred. Uh, I could just imagine if if someone was um, teaching uh, the Christian or Muslim view on marriage, that that could be construed as inciting hatred and therefore fall foul of um, the existing Anti Discrimination Act of one thousand, nine hundred and seventy-seven. Uh, is that you know? Am I drawing too long a bow there?
1: Look, it's possible, I, I agree with you, that it's possible that uh, someone could try and make that argument and it might be accepted at a, well, without being too pointed, it might be accepted at a tribunal level. Mm. Um, I uh, I don't think it would be accepted when a court came to look at it. But yeah. but having said that, as well as the inciting hatred bar in New South Wales, we do actually have an exemption, a specific defence that the statement has been made in the course of religious instruction.
0: Mm. And
1: so there would be some more protection to, to be clear, you know, uh, if a preacher wants to get up in their church and to preach the truth of the Bible, they would be exempted under New South Wales law. And yeah. people teaching scripture in schools and things are also subject to that. So, I mean, it's not uh, – so one could always talk about the need, the possibility of improving the law, mm. but I don't think it's in too bad a state at the moment. Um, but I, I appreciate that uh, we, we won't know how it will unfold until we see – uh, as we go on, how these things get interpreted in the tribunals and the courts.
0: Yeah, and this is the problem because it's these tribunals um, that uh, create a, a legal process, which can often be the punishment. And um, I wasn't necessarily going to bring my particular circumstance into this interview, but it, it may be relevant given what we've just been discussing. Uh, as you'd be aware, I'm facing a uh, an anti-discrimination case uh, that's been instigated against me in the state of Queensland where I was formerly living. And I've been accused of inciting hatred under the Queensland Anti-Discrimination Act because I wrote a blog post that said that drag queens reading to children were dangerous role models for children, and I I gave a rationale for that. Now, um, in one sense, that's not necessarily a religious view, um, but but nonetheless, I'm being dragged through uh, the courts uh, and tribunals as a result of this. Does this bill um, provide any protection for people like myself? Uh, should should something like that occur here in New South Wales?
1: My recollection is that the bill itself doesn't touch the vilification provisions. Mm. And so uh, one could argue that more work ought to be done in that area. Uh, the bill itself is particularly concerned about detrimental treatment of people on the basis of their religion Mm. rather than directly addressing the vilification and speech issues. Um, So uh, one could uh, suggest, and I'm sure it's possible to make a perfectly good argument that the New South Wales provisions about vilification need to be looked at more closely, um, but that's not dealt with in the bill that was put forward by uh, Mr Latham.
0: So this bill should give um people who are working for a corporation or the, the government, uh, it's particularly generally big companies, uh, what, what, we, what is colloquially referred to now as woke corporates or government departments, where people might fear for their employment if they express uh, a Christian or a Muslim view about marriage and biology. So, so this, this is really covering those people with um, a layer of protection that, that currently doesn't exist.
1: Yes, it provides that's right, thank you. that's a good point it It provides protection for people who are facing uh, detriment in their employment um, and in other areas uh, because of their religious beliefs yeah. and um, it's uh, it's useful from that point of view. Uh, it, it will provide both practical help and it sends a signal uh, that the New South Wales community uh, doesn't think it's a great idea to allow people to be discriminated against on the basis of their religious beliefs yeah. whether those are Christian, Muslim, Jewish,
0: mm-hmm. whatever
1: the nature of the religious beliefs.
0: Yeah or simply a non-religious belief as the case may be, <laughs> pardon me for many people. Um, Neil you mentioned in your commentary uh, on this New South Wales bill you, you, you reference and you, you touched on it earlier in this interview the, um, the federal scene and the um, attempt by the Morrison government to bring in a religious discrimination bill federally. You, you said there's been some criticism of that that's been uh, exaggerated and unjustified. Can you just elaborate on what you mean by that?
1: I think the the federal bill um, is again designed to fill a gap that's there in the federal sphere. Uh, we have protection against discrimination on uh, four limited grounds under federal law at the moment, um, sex, race, age and disability. Um, there's no general protection for people against the sort of detrimental treatment that they might suffer on the basis of their religion. Um, and the recommendation of this came through from the Ruddock Committee. Um, I think it was a sensible recommendation and the legislation that's been developing um, is uh, sensible Uh, piece of legislation it doesn't Mm. um, uh, sometimes what's been said is that it somehow gives priority to religious people but the fact is it it's part of a suite of things that protect different groups of people in society Mm. it doesn't uh, and it contains these clauses that balance out uh, different interests that are involved Um, and so I think it is a generally uh, worthwhile piece of legislation and Mm. it also the federal law attempts to specifically clarify that things like well the Tasmanian section 17 which is behind Archbishop Porteous's um, case uh, shouldn't uh, operate to um, interfere with people's religious beliefs so I think in general it's uh, it's a worthwhile piece of legislation it's it's not radical it's sensible it's it's a model that's represented all over the Western world we have laws of this sort in relation to preventing religious discrimination in the United States in the UK around Europe. It's a very sensible sort of piece of legislation and one that I think it would be well worthwhile revisiting and for the government to come back and start uh, getting some movement on this, uh, given that we understand, of course, COVID intervened last year. Mm. Lots of stuff had to be done. But I think uh, it's well worth the government getting back in and making sure that they send the message that the, the truth is people of faith in Australia are being protected Um against the possibility that they will be treated badly on irrelevant grounds due to their religion.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really important point. And, and for viewers and listeners who perhaps don't understand why we need federal and state law, I guess the beauty of a Commonwealth law as has been proposed by the Morrison government, is that that would then override provisions in state legislation, uh, such as the provisions which uh, Archbishop Porteus fell foul of. Hmm. That's right.
1: And uh, it would prevent the states, uh, as it were, lowering the bar and mm. taking away protections. So, mm. And the two can operate together. It's nothing that says they can't uh, work together, but it would prevent the states uh, taking away protections provided at the Commonwealth level.
0: So, Neil, just finally, you've been a, a thought leader in the legal academic world uh, with regard to these issues of religious freedom. Um, This is obviously this New South Wales bill is obviously a a big step forward. Do do you think there's a growing acceptance in the legal fraternity uh, that um, that this is indeed sensible and and a necessary uh, evolution of our laws?
1: Well, uh, Lyle, thank you very much. Uh, I, I I wouldn't regard myself as a thought leader in the legal fraternity. Uh, the, and, oh, so, so, uh,
0: certainly yeah. on this issue you have been. You've been a, a thank key. You, thank watch, thank so. you.
1: Um, I, ha- I don't really have a, 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 fe- a good feel for whether this will be accepted. It's very encouraging, though, to me that we had this, um, you know, committee in the, of the New South Wales Parliament which supported the legislation of this sort. So it's no longer just... Piece of legislation that's been introduced by one independent Mm. member. Um, It's been, it's got cross. Uh, support across the across the Parliament from the majority of the committee. Now it's true to say that not all the members of the committee agreed with the recommendations, but it did certainly come out with majority recommendation that this should go forward uh, as supported by the government. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that being done. Uh, I think it uh, it it would represent sensible plugging of a gap that's there in New South Wales. And I hope that the uh, that the government acts on that and starts to move forward on it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, Neil, thank you very much for giving of your time to talk to us today.
1: Thank you, Lyle. All the best.
0: After the killing of unborn children, teaching the ones who survive that their gender is fluid is one of the greatest evils of our time. That's why last week in the parliament, your Christian Democratic Party put a question about the harms of LGBTIQA plus gender fluid ideology to the New South Wales government. Our question was prompted by news from Sweden that it is no longer routinely prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to children. Stockholm's Astrid Lindgren Children's Hospital cites concerns about infertility and cancer. In contrast, the green left independent member for Sydney, Alex Greenwich, wants New South Wales to follow Queensland, the ACT and Victoria in making it illegal for doctors to decline these harmful drugs to children who are struggling with their biology. Sweden's decision comes a week after gender uh, clinicians from the Westmead Children's Hospital here in Sydney cited concerns with plying gender-confused children with hormones and drugs. When the Australians, Bernard Lane, who reported the Swedish and the Westmead clinicians' concerns, sought comments from the New South Wales Health Minister, Brad Hazard, Hazard declined to comment. Liberal National Coalition government uh, has been silent in the face of serious child health concerns. Why is this? That's the question the Reverend Honorable Fred Nile placed on the notice paper. The government has until June the 2nd to provide an answer. We will keep you posted. Well, that's it for the Lyle Shelton Show. Don't forget you can order my book I kid you not, notes from 20 years in the trenches of the culture wars at lyleshelton.com.au. It's a behind the scenes look at how the radical left and the libertarian right has gotten away with terrible social policies right under the noses of mainstream Australians. Also, why not consider joining the Christian Democratic Party? This is not a time for sitting on the sidelines. It's a time to get in the arena. Go to cdp.org.au and click on join. We'd love to have you on board. Well, thanks for your company, and until next time, God bless. The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good, S-A-U-C-E.news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.